Hello and welcome to episode 47. I really can't believe it's 47. Anyway, there seems to be a theme at the moment and I don't know where it's coming from. So maybe there's ripples going on in the universe. I want to talk this week about treating yourself, how we behave and how we look after ourselves and really more than anything how we nurture ourselves and treating ourselves like a toddler and when I started talking about this way back 2017 uh, maybe 2018 I don't know when it was but it was around about that time I had no idea how that interlinked it was an intuitive thing that I felt that I had needed to do um and I would say things like you put yourself back to bed if you need a nap because you need to be treating yourself like a toddler. And there is a reason as you delve further in and people give more information and discover more stuff. It turns out that there might actually be another reason for that as well. Welcome to the Mind Fuckery podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth, author of Finding Lily and the A to Z of Emotional Abuse. I'm here to remind you that love should be unconditional. Divorcing emotionally is life-changing and that you have a duty of care to yourself. Each week, I will discuss some of the terms you may hear along this journey and I will help you understand and process what's happening. I will help you find the best habits as you start to take back the control of your own life and learn the tools to heal on a deeper level, becoming the best version of yourself. Coming out of a relationship with someone who's higher up on that narcissistic scale is a very complex process. When relationships break down, healthy people, even relatively healthy people, are able to acknowledge what isn't working, why they need to separate, what it is that's going on for them. People grow apart. That does happen. Not everybody ends up at the same stage wanting the same thing after years of marriage or being in a relationship. So healthy people can acknowledge what isn't working. They can say why it isn't working for them. And they will want to make sure that a person gets the closure that they need. And that doesn't happen in an unhealthy relationship, in a toxic relationship, in a relationship with someone who's higher up on that narcissistic scale. And the reason I talk about people being on the narcissistic scale or that they're emotionally abusive is because it's really hard to get a diagnosis, particularly in the UK, not just because it's hard to get a diagnosis through those channels, but somebody that's higher up on that narcissistic scale has no sense of responsibility. Nothing about what's happened is their fault. So they won't take that responsibility to go and say, do you know what, I've got this pattern. I can see this pattern in relationships and I think I want to go and do something about it. They project out all of the time, this isn't me, this isn't my fault, this person has done this to me, this person has treated me in this way. They are life's victims. To be diagnosed with personality disorder, you have to present with five or more symptoms, which include grandiosity and self-importance, a sense of specialness and uniqueness, fantasies of perfectionism and superiority, a need for praise and attention, a strong sense of entitlement, 
lack of empathy, jealousy, envy, distrust, arrogance and scorn, a pattern of manipulating others. Not everybody will have the same combination. It's a bit like the ingredients for something, different types of cakes or something like that, if only they were so sweet. The condition will be presented differently from person to person. And this is why a lot of people say, oh my gosh, you're describing my partner, you're describing my husband, you're describing my wife, you you know, there's this element that runs through these relationships. It's as if you were married to my husband, I've heard so many times. And in fact, when I first started on the journey, I was, I was exactly the same. Oh my gosh, do they have a handbook? And they all have this same book that they're working from. I work very intuitively. That's, I work with clients when I, they're private clients, I work really intuitively and we'll be working through some of the wounds that we uh, that are presenting I can feel in my body where that is I know that it might be held in their shoulder or their neck or their throat or their stomach whatever and I will say see yourself standing in a like an airport scanner or something like that can you you can feel it in your body and then they will usually say back to me what I'm feeling in my body. I knew way, way at the beginning of this journey that we needed to, for a part of our recovery, is to treat ourselves like toddlers. So what's a toddler? A toddler is a small child, maybe, I don't know, 18 months, something like that. They're just walking around. They're learning how to walk. They are toddling around. A small child, that's how we need to be nurturing. And as part of that recovery, it's so important to be in tune with that child. And there's various different reasons for that. The emotional abuser, the narcissist, the person high up on that narcissistic spectrum has their own set of wounds. And they really are children in adults' bodies. They have abandoned themselves emotionally. They've abandoned themselves and yet that is their biggest fear. And not only is it their biggest fear, it's what they do to everybody in their life. They abandon them. They take what they need and they just walk away. And they do everything in their power to make sure that they don't look like a bad person. They don't like not being liked. They don't like people to think badly of them. They will spark up a smear campaign they will need to look like the victim. And as I said, they won't take responsibility. So they're not going to admit that anything is their fault. The breakdown of the relationship isn't their fault. This is your fault. And it's just like a child who gets told off for doing something or saying something. Their automatic defense is to blame someone else. Someone made me do that. Or they blame you. It's your fault. If you hadn't gone to work, I wouldn't have been on the internet watching porn. If you hadn't have gone out with your friends, I wouldn't have been on the dating website. They deflect everything when they get caught. And if you're not healed from any of the wounds that are your original wounds or the ones that they've created or they've picked the scab out, they're going to trigger you. And as part of their smear campaign, they will have told everybody what's wrong with you, why the relationship broke down, what was what you did wrong. And they're going to tell everyone that you're crazy, like they told you about their crazy exes. And that wound and the way you respond, the way you react is crucial because you will be reacting to something rather than responding to it. It's crucial that you respond. They are banking on you getting really upset. That's what they want. They Everything that is done, one, you're never going to get closure because 
they don't want you to have it. You're an object to them and you belong to them and you will always be an object and you will always belong to them. Way after the relationship, way after the divorce, you know, you could be in a new relationship. They could be married to somebody else. You still belong to them in their mind. They don't want you to have closure because giving you closure means that they are closing down that entry back into your life. It means that they're admitting something. It means they can't play with your emotions anymore. They are damaged children with this fear of abandonment. They do everything in their power to take control of every single situation. And that includes what happens in your life next. I believe the wounded child goes one of two ways. They either become a codependent or an empath or they become an emotional abuser. And that is what I believe that you have been in a relationship with, an emotional abuser. When I qualified in, I don't know, I can't remember whether it was 2010 or 2011 as a spiritual life coach, I was working with wounds and I started working with people with childhood wounds. And it was this work where I discovered that up until the ages, well, a lot of people say seven, but I was saying seven to eight because I was picking up that not everybody matures exactly the same. You don't hit your seventh birthday and go, oh, okay, I'm done now. I'm moving on. It's a gradual thing. Like the moon is gradual. It changes very gradually. We are sponges and we take on, we live in a hypnotic state up until the age of about seven or eight years old. And we take on the beliefs of the people that we live with. We take on a spiritual, religious, political understandings. We also take on their wounds. And with the emotional abuser, they've experienced a form of trauma that they made that split decision, which way they went. Did they abandon themselves? Or did they become an empath? Did they take this experience? Uh, it's like a splitting. And in fact, that's what it's called. So their trauma takes them down a different route to maybe your trauma. One explanation has been that they are replicating and duplicating. They missed a crucial point. Now, I'd spoken about this for, I don't know how, about three or four years, about these d developmental stages that they missed and then I was listening to a couple of podcasts. I think it was Sam Vaknin was talking about the two-year-old is, that is supposed to separate, is supposed to see themselves as a separate person from their mother and that that doesn't happen. And he was explaining that he believed in his research that this duplication, this replication, this cycle where the final discard happens, they've set up a new supply ready and what they're trying to do is break away. They're trying to replicate the stages that they were at at the age of two that they should have experienced so that they become a separate person. They don't know how to live. And this might be your experience. It is certainly my experience about with the people around me. They don't know how to be on their own. They don't like their own company because they never experienced that split. They don't know how to be their own person. Other thing that's happening in these relationships is that they project, they project their wounds. They tell you what's wrong with them and that they tell you it's actually what's wrong with you. 
So you have very similar wounds. That's why you felt so connected. They told you you were so alike. They told you you were soulmates. They weren't. What they were doing is they're doing a swap. They were taking from you everything that they were missing. So they wanted you to nurture them. They wanted your time, your energy. They saw that and they knew that that was something that they were missing. They were learning from you. But they weren't learning in a way that they will move on and it becomes a natural process for them. They're learning how to mimic. So they mimic everything. They mimic empathy. They mimic being a nurturing person. They mimic being healed or whole. They pass over their wounds. So what's wrong with them, they actually tell you is wrong with you. And you take this on. And as an empath, I've this actually came up in the video I did for YouTube about a week and a half ago. And this was the empath, the codependent and the narcissist. And an empath will experience what somebody else is experiencing. Something that I've done quite a lot of with Reiki, with energy work, when I've been teaching and training in that area is how to work with energy and how to understand what's yours and what's not yours. And it might be that you'll walk into a room, I've used this uh, analogy, you walk into a room and you are full of energy and you, people, you come out and you're drained because people have been sucking the energy out of you. Or it can be the other way around, you're feeling really low and you walk into a room and it's really vibrant, there's lots of people there, then they really lift and change your energy. And it's understanding and understanding. When I work with clients, I might think, oh my God, my shoulder really hurts or I've got really bad backache. Okay, I didn't have backache before I met this person. This isn't mine. And then I'm able to tune in and then I'll say, have you got backache? Have you been suffering with backache? Have you got shoulder pains? Have you been suffering with headache? You know, it's really easy to take on other people's energies. And I remember I was working with um, someone that I trained up to Reiki Master. And I remember messaging her and saying, do an energy clearing because I've just found energetically attachments that aren't mine. I found wounds that aren't mine. And this was really, really early on as I was merging the two things, my energy work and working in this field, uh, the original wound work. As the work that I was doing was changing from one form to another or one area to another. And this is how I've been working. This was how I discovered, I already knew about the original wound, but, it, but this understanding and formulating of how, it, how we get into these relationships. Are you a magnet? The YouTube video I put up this week was, uh, you know, I said in there, have you been asking yourself, am I a magnet? How do, do, I, how do I attract these people? You attract them through the original wound. They can see what they're going to get from you. They know that because they're attuned to look for people that are going to cater for their every need. And it might just be a benefit that they can live off you financially. You have a nice house that they can move into. You're driving rounds. You've got cars that they can use. Those might be other benefits to what you can do for them energetically, how you can help them. You're never, ever going to be able to fill the void because they abandon themselves as a child. They 
their inner child is stuck somewhere. Yours might be, you might have one or two or three. I, I found lots of three, five and eight year olds that I claimed back during a process. I don't believe personally that the emotional abuser can heal mainly because I don't think they want to heal because this is a crutch. Everything that they've been through is a crutch. It's an emotional crutch. Look what happened to me. This is my story. Everybody owes me. If you took their crutch away, they'd fall over. They wouldn't know what to do. They'd have to rewrite everything and that doesn't serve them because they, they've created this environment that they live in to support them, to get the attention and their needs met rather than being able to do it for themselves, which is the aim of um, divorcing emotionally. If you divorce emotionally and you heal your wounds, in your original wounds, your, anything that happened in that relationship and other relationships, if you heal those woundings, you claim all those parts of you back, you can feel and be, you can be your own cheerleader, you are taking control and responsibility for your own life and that is so powerful. And one of the ways that you can do this is creating really good routines and this can be at any point and don't be afraid to change them as your needs change. It's so important to be in tune with what works for you. It might be to start with uh, grounding, breathing, and I always talk about honest conversations. I think those three are key anyway, but you might want to introduce some journaling. That might work for six months. And they think, oh wow, I've brought up enough. I've worked enough in that area. I haven't got very much to say apart from my shopping list or my dreams or something like that. And I feel like I'm ready to move on. Himalayan bath salts are amazing. They might be what you need at the beginning. What is really crucial particularly is to be aware of what your needs are and to treat yourself like you would a toddler. So if you crave something and it could be that you want to go and stand bare feet in the grass, you want to sit outside in the sunshine, it might be that you need a nap. If you're cranky, if you can't do anything, if you're having a really bad day and you're able to, can you go and put a film on and sit with, under a blanket? It sounds as if you're running away but you're actually nurturing yourself. Could you put yourself to bed? What would you do? And this is how I, I frame this question. If you had a young child with you and they were really upset or they were really cranky, what would you do with them? What would you do to get them out of that mood? Would you put a TV series on? Would you put, Bluey's one of the ones that's quite popular at the moment. Would you put Bluey on? Or would you um, entertain them by getting loads of pots and pans out? Uh, would you um, go and sit down and cuddle up with them on the sofa under a blanket? If a child was ill, they weren't feeling, they were a little bit off. They're, you know, they're not just, you know, like children sometimes do and they bounce back a, few, back a few hours later or the next day they wake up and they're completely different. What would you do with that child in that moment? And that is how you treat yourself. If I had a child and I was looking after a child, what would I do with them? I might sit down and have a cup of tea and sit down with them on the sofa and just cuddle them. Or I might go and play somewhere. I might go for a walk with them. Don't be afraid to do that. 
don't be afraid to cater to the child's needs. Think of yourself as a three-year-old and treat yourself. There's a brilliant poster that a friend of mine had in her lounge that she'd been given. I think her sister gave it to her and it's by Sark and I've used it so many times and it says how to really love a child and it was things like go for a walk, bare feet, make a rocket, make a chocolate cake and eat it with no hands, go to the cinema in your pyjamas, bang pots and pans with a wooden spoon, play in water. Those are the things. Start being creative and think, what's the adult version? Go to the cinema in your pyjamas, could be get a movie, you know, go and sit and watch a film and put some leggings and a big baggy sweatshirt and have a blanket wrapped around you. Making a chocolate cake, I mean, you could do that and eat it with no hands. Banging pots and pans you can do. Jumping around to music, you know, finding some music and putting that on and just jumping around. It changes your energy. That is an amazing thing that you can just do to shift that energy. If you're in a bit of a funk and you're not feeling great, by literally jumping up and down on the spot. I trained as um, a relaxed coach, oh, it's quite a few years ago. Oh, it was 10 years ago um, this year. And it was for children. And uh, one of the things was become a bottle of lemonade. You jump on, up and down on the spot and then you stop or you get the children to stop. And there's a really fizziness that you can really feel in your body um, that happens. So become a bottle of lemonade, just maybe jump up and down. It is really amazing. Uh, it's a really amazing technique for um, changing and shifting, like dancing or singing. Maybe do the opera, you know, even if you can't sing, sing in a really weird way, you know, to change that and shift that energy. But think of yourself as a three-year-old. What happens during these relationships is that as the emotional abuser is taking you through this cycle of abuse and it's that intermittent reinforcement, they're taking you through this cycle. So they love bomb you, then they devalue you, then they discard you. They might throw a bit of love bombing in there. Then they discard you. They might triangulate you. They gaslight you, take you back round, love bombing. I didn't mean that. I'm really, you know, oh my God, you're, we're soulmates. We're meant to be together. And they go round and round and round. And during that time, they're dumping on you all the things that are wrong with them. All of their energy is being dumped on you and their wounds are being dumped on you. Honestly, that's what happens. They are also stripping you back and reprogramming you during this period. So they are undoing all of that emotional development. And as they leave you, they leave you in a state, of, it might be younger, but I always say about three, because that's usually the recollection that you've got. It could be a younger age, but they have stripped you back emotionally. And you have a young child running your life. They're running your life. You, they're going to work for you. They're running your bank account. They're paying your bills. They're doing your shopping. You need to nurture that three-year-old and you take that three-year-old back through that de developmental stages, those stages that they have been unpicked and undone. And you can do that. But whilst you're doing it, what you actually can do is reparent yourself. The abuse that you might have experienced, the trauma that you might have experienced, you can reprogram and you can claim back all the children that might have been, it's my belief that as we experience trauma, as a part of self-preservation, a part of us steps out 
and is then in suspension. It's with us, but it's not with us. It's done to protect who we were at that age. And it's about now claiming back all those missing parts. If you've heard about soul retrieval or anything along those lines, it's it's similar to that. But it, it might be that a three-year-old has popped out of their body, or, uh, out of your body, or a five-year-old experienced this. You might have been shocked. And if you, depending on what age you are, you might have not had great enough parenting and it's about claiming all these bits back and this is a lot of the work that I do is about finding where the wounding is and the emotion is held emotional wounds are worse than physical wounds because they don't show any signs you don't get a bruise you don't break something. The emotion is trapped in your body, but it does cause you problems. And it's so crucial that you understand and understand how to process that and how to claim all these missing parts. And once you've done that, you start to feel whole. You start to feel different. You start to claim back your power. It's crucial. How would you, this one question, if I had a three-year-old with me today, and they were feeling the way I'm feeling, what would I do with them? Would I put them in the bath? It might be two o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday, but if that changes everything for you for the rest of the day, it's worth taking that 20 minutes, half an hour, hour and a half, whatever it is that you want to take out. Do you want to, you know, have some fun? It might be that you're feeling really, oh, I don't know, stuck emotionally, and it's affecting the people around you. Can you go and buy to a bakery and buy a chocolate cake and cut it into sections for the people, you know, in your family, whether it's your children or your co-people that you'll work with, your co-workers, and either sit and be polite and eat with a fork or let's make a fun, a fun and games. See if you can play in a way that you can nurture the young child. You can bring and coax them out of that traumatized state. Acknowledge them and see them because this is what needs to be happening. As a young child, you might not have been seen and heard. That's how the abuser did it. They saw and heard you in a way that you may never have been seen, never have been heard ever. And that's how they got in because of the original wounding. So treat yourself as you would a toddler. I promise you it will change everything. I hope this has been helpful and I'm sending you loads and loads of love as always. Until next time.